and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. And I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 5, Episode 6, Family. This is one of my favorite episodes. No I love way! It so much. It gets me every time. So you know how we, we were talking about the prom and stuff? And you're talking about like how you, you were crying because mm. of everything. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's me in this episode. I cannot not cry at the end of this episode. And... This is this episode is one of the reasons why I think season five is so good. We've just reached this point in the show where the actors are so comfortable in their characters and, you know, the show isn't afraid to kind of go some really interesting places. And we're going to see that throughout this season. And I, I think this episode is a great example. Obviously, the ch- the theme being family, chosen family, as I'm sure you and I will get into. Uh, I did really enjoy the episode, but I didn't feel it to the emotional impact that you were saying you felt you felt it, because it left a lot of questions in my mind as I was watching it. I was like, okay, I, I mean, we'll get to it, but like living situations, motivations of characters, ages at some point where's Joyce like I there's a couple of things that came up in this episode that like maybe I was just thinking really hard about it but I like I just didn't get to the emotional place that you did which maybe maybe you'll get me there as we Buffy sent Joyce away because she needs to focus on Don at the moment (laughs) she's like there's only one one person Buffy's like, time. Mom, you need a vacation from all this stress that Dawn's causing you. So <laughs> get out of the room. Get out Even of the Even home house. for a full 30 days. Like, it's time to <laughs> leave the nest as you did all last year. Uh, one other part of this episode that I think was really complicating my emotions was Spike. The complicated nature of Spike as a character, of my feelings about him. They started bubbling up way more in this episode than previously which i think previously he's been like you know confusing sure but uh pretty straight and narrow when it comes to like oh classic spike but he does something in this episode where i'm like ooh, like this is hard this is really hard to pin down he's such a he's such an interesting dynamic character that way you know so anyway lots of questions in this episode lots of feelings on your end let's get into it uh we open up on this kitten that never seems to age. <laughs> the same kitten or perhaps the same footage from uh, Restless. But like they've had this cat for a while and it just looks like maybe it's just a small cat. I, I think it's aged a little bit. I, I don't think it's the same cat in terms of actors. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, that was my first note as well. Is hey, it's Miss Kitty Fantastico. Aww, <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad that they've remembered that Taryn will have a cat and it just doesn't just, dis- you know doesn't disappear at some point it's like oh where did the cat go (laughs) doesn't disappear doesn't age (laughs) and tara is telling willow the story about the kitty that was all alone nobody wanted her and it's like this whole like orphan story um willow's in bed 
and Tara's on the edge of the bed, uh, play, and they're both playing with this kitten. And Tara, she wants to look up spells instead of going to bed. And Willow's like, that's fine. I don't need to be snuggled. And Tara calls her a vixen. I know Willow has done her like baby voice before. I think she did it with Oz before. And now she's doing it with Tara, which is something normal. I think a lot of couples do that. But when Tara calls Willow a vixen, I was like, <laughs> like, prove it. Because we're not even allowed to watch you guys kiss. <laughs> So Willow says, you've been spell gal night and day lately. And Tara says she wants to keep up with Willow and she wants to be useful to the gang. She says, I just never feel useful. And Willow says, you are. You're essential. You're already more useful than Xander. <laughs> I was going to say, there, there, she's definitely brings, she brings more to the table than Xander. However, maybe not lately because Xander builds shelves now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I forgot Xander has overnight become super capable carpenter guy. Yeah, with money. So uh, maybe not so much. Uh, but yeah, when Willow says you're essential, that's when I was like, now essential is a very interesting word to use here because is Tara essential? And I think that's what the the episode is going to bring I th up. I think Willow is supposed to be like, I love you. You're essential to me. Uh, yeah, of course. And that's what Tara is saying. Like, you know, she uh, later we'll get into in the episode too. But Tara's like, you know, I want to fit in with your friends. It's not just you. Like, it can't just be you. Um, Tara gets into bed with her and Willow thinks that Buffy, like, you know, they're wondering if Buffy found anything and Willow's like at the factory well there was something I figured she'd call us and then they cuddle so clearly this is still the same night as where we left off from no place like home you know I love a continuation <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's when we don't know how much time has gone by that's when we get confused <laughs> confused and angry where we're like what what is going on so we cut to Joyce's house and Buffy has told Giles um, the news about Dawn. Because <gasps> remember, we left off the last episode. Buffy just found out that Dawn is some sort of mystical energy, some sort of key. And uh, she's been sent to Buffy to take care of. Giles is speechless. Giles is like, she's a no. And Buffy's like, no, she thinks she's my kid sister. So... I really love this scene. I really love this exchange between Buffy and Giles. And I want to get into it a little bit now before we get into the rest of the conversation. Because I didn't remember in season five how long it would take Buffy to tell somebody. I didn't know it was going to be Giles first. Maybe it was going to be Willow. I don't know. Um, I didn't remember. So right off the bat, first thing she does, she calls Giles, gets him over here, and tells him. And I love that i love that because she's learning and it, there's so much in this choice if i'm gonna tell anybody i'm gonna tell giles my dad my dad because okay <laughs> even like the, the calling him my dad my surrogate dad we find out very soon right after i finish this rant what what's going on with her real dad right so yeah. the fact that she's leaning on Giles' dad is so fucking special. But let's just think about how Buffy's learned. Remember in season three, she didn't tell Giles about Angel's return and he was pissed. Season four, she didn't tell Giles about the commandos and what's going on with the initiative and Maggie Walsh. He was pissed. So look how far they've come now. He's the first person that she went to. And like we just said, it's because he's her stand-in father it's because she trusts them above anybody else and he's wise and he'll know what to do but this episode is called family 
right? And what's happening with Dawn, her, the revelation around Dawn's origin, that's affecting Buffy's family now. This is a threat against her family. She's never had this before. So, of course, she's going to lean on her chosen family, her chosen father to help out. And I just love that. I also think it's a sign just of how Buffy has matured as a person, right? When she elided those other events uh, and uh, forgot to tell Giles, right, or omitted them from telling Giles, um, it's because she was young. She was a teenager. She was in high school. She was less mature, according to the show. And a big theme in season five is Buffy is taking on many more adult responsibilities. And that's what we're seeing here. It is in um, episode two, right? She's like, Giles, I need to watch her again. <laughs> um, you know, and, and this is her making good on her promise to him. I think they both kind of made a promise to each other to work together. So I agree completely with you. It's a very touching scene for so many reasons. One of which is the alacrity with which she's telling Giles. And to me, it's a sign of how their relationship has evolved. He's no longer the boss. He's not in charge. But they are partners in this endeavor of fighting the supernatural. And like you said, keeping the family safe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I really love what you said about uh, Buffy's maturity and showing her age here and how she's much she's growing because i said at the beginning like some one, some of my questions were around age um and this that's definitely part of it the maturity of the show buffy is 33 in this episode uh, yeah so giles says are you gonna tell dawn and buffy's like how can i she'd freak and that's the last thing we need we have to good keep call. her safe oh such a good call and giles is like this woman like she knows you now should we should we be sending dawn away a valid question and buffy's like away where and that's when giles says says hank <laughs> and buffy's like he's in spain with his secretary living the cliche i called him when mom was you know sick and he what hasn't even as in like he hasn't even followed up that scoundrel that cad fucking hank how dare he i hate him so much and the thing is is like we when we last saw hank at the beginning of season two he didn't seem that bad. He seemed concerned for his daughter. Then the next time we hear about him is that he bailed on her for her birthday. And maybe he'll help for school. Maybe. And now he's completely cut off all ties. What the fuck? What, what the, like, what's this guy problem? Dude, let's fight him. Where is he? <laughs> let's go to Spain. Book a ticket. We're going to find this man and we're going to fucking kill him. Because fuck you. Poor Buffy. Poor Buffy. Buffy says... When he bailed on us, I remember Dawn cried for a week, except she didn't. She wasn't there, but I can feel what it was like. Ooh, so Giles doesn't say anything. He just takes that in. And Buffy says, they want, they sent her to me, Giles. I think I have to take care of her. I want to. And Giles is like, do we tell the others? Buffy says, no, they'd act weird around her. It's safer for everyone if they don't know. And Giles agrees with this. I, I don't know if I agree with this one. I think it's a good Ooh. call to keep Dawn in the dark, but... Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we we're learning that Buffy needs the Scoobies and I think they deserve to know if, if as, especially if she's putting them in harm's way, right? If, yeah. if they are inadvertently <laughs> protecting Dawn, I think Buffy has an ethical responsibility to let them know what they're protecting. And I'm really torn. I'm really torn because I agree with what you're saying. And I think the Scoobies have earned the right to be in the loop, but it is a matter of safety. So if they're searching for something... 
obviously, the less people know what they're searching for, the less chance this woman is going to find out who the key is or what the this key is. This is true. I mean, I agree on the mm. principle that we should tell Riley. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, later I'll have something to say about that as well. But, like, I mean, Willow, I think, would be a good person to confide in with this because she's research girl. Uh yeah, that I mean, this is a hard one. I can see it going both ways. I understand why Buffy and Giles make this decision, but I also agree with you that, like, hey, it's five seasons in. They've kind of earned this. Giles wants to know, like, we have to figure out we have to figure out what she needs Dawn for, right? Like, if she comes after you and Buffy says, she'll come for us. And then we cut to the woman smashing out of the collapsed factory from the episode before, and she says, okay, now I'm upset. And we cut to credits. We are at UC Sunnydale, and the Scoobies are helping Buffy move out of her dorm room. So here's what I mean about, first of all, timing. Again, timing with us. But also about living situations in this episode. So Buffy moved into the dorm? When? Because school's been on for a couple episodes now. Apparently a few days ago. So, like, why? (laughs) Like, she moved in in October? Um, Hey, also, you know, again, the theme of family. What is more family and friends than people helping you move? (laughs) Like, literally nothing. But, yeah, Dawn is there helping Buffy move out of this dorm. And Anya's complaining because, like you said, you know, they just moved her in a few days ago. And that's where I'm just just confused. I thought we already established that Buffy was living at home. So, I guess she's just like, okay, we'll put her in the dorm for a reason, then bring her right back home because now <laughs> she's got to take care of Dawn. Uh, it's also interesting, you know, like at the very first, ep- uh, in the first scene when Giles and Buffy are speaking, they don't want Dawn to know, but they know that Dawn eavesdrops sometimes. So it's an interesting choice to have this conversation in Buffy's living room. Good point. But it's a good point. But then I, I, I'm going to counter my own point and I'm going to say the reason they're having it there is because now Buffy ha- feels a responsibility to protect Dawn. So she doesn't want to let Dawn out of her sight. She doesn't want to be anywhere where Dawn isn't, which is also why Dawn's here moving her. Because in real me, no way in hell would Buffy have wanted Dawn to be part of this. So Giles reminds Anya that people help each other out. You know, one of our strange customs. And Buffy points out that Giles isn't helping. Um, and he's like, no, no, I see, I see myself as more of a patriarchal sort of role. Pointing and scowling. And then, of course, Xander and Riley are wrestling each other so he's like you two stop that and so the boys do stop and tara is just watching them smiling and i was like okay it's really nice that xander and riley have become friends i actually do like that for them (laughs) because xander doesn't have friends that are men um oz wasn't really his friend and jesse died (laughs) r.i.p jesse uh it's because riley is more xander's speed nice um it's it's true though it's very true so xander says he can't believe that buffy's giving up the sweet corner corner suite and i agree um but buffy her excuse is that uh her mom's sick so she wants to be home with her and this will save her money and everyone's supportive right well like they're helping her move and also willow was saying like that's smart Buffy's like, Dawn? Where's Dawn? Because she's not in the room. But Dawn comes in. She's like, some of your CDs are my CDs. And Buffy's like, okay, good. Yeah, just help me work over here. So she's just being very protective. And this is cute because, again, like, Buffy's sore from her fight with with, uh, the woman. Because remember, she got her ass kicked in the last episode. And Dawn's is cute. Dawn's also being cute in this episode where she's just like, you'll totally take her next time. You know? Like, these sisters are just getting along. 
Giles says we have to find their weaknesses, and Tara jumps in. She says, you learn her source, and we'll introduce her to her insect reflection. And no one understands this joke. And she says, oh, that, that was funny if you studied Teglarian mythic rites and are a complete dork. She kind of, like, trails off, Aww. and she looks really sad. I know, and I was like, you guys kind of, like, pretended to laugh, you know? Like... We've all been in that situation where somebody's just really awkward and tries to make a joke and no one gets it because there are people like that out there. Me. <laughs> there are Kara's out there that do that. And uh, you can always just be like, haha, or like explain, you know, like there's there's ways to engage this this situation. In the hallway, Willow sees Tara, who's still looking sad. And then when Tara leaves to go outside, Willow runs into the room and she says, okay, guys, be at the bronze by eight tomorrow night, Tara's birthday. And no one remembers, but they pretend they do. Xander says he picked out her gift already. And Willow's like, you can still come, right? And Buffy's like, oh yeah, we'll be there. We could use a break from this craziness. Cut to the Sunnydale Hospital, our favorite place where Ben, the intern, is talking to another intern who just so happens to be an Asian man, so he better leave Sunnydale as fast, as fast as he can. He better wrap up his shift and get out of there. Um, they're wheeling what they call another crazy, right, into the Ooh. hospital. Yeah, that's what they called her. They say she has no history of mental problems, and this is the fifth case of like this this month. And Ben is like, well, they told me Sunnydale would be interesting, but hey, Ben's shift has ended, so he's going to go into the locker room. Kara, we have not seen a dreaded locker room for so long. The Sunnydale Hospital locker room. I wonder if it's as haunted as the Sunnydale High locker room. <laughs> Impossible, but I guess we'll find out. Okay, Ben takes off his shirt, and you and I um, have seen Ben a couple times now. I don't know if I've seen Ben the way you've seen Ben. <laughs> But I haven't seen Ben at all until now because I was like, okay, yeah, he's good looking, sure, but he's not like doing it for me. He took off his shirt and I was like, oh, damn. And then, and then shout out to Hannah on Instagram who pointed out to me that this is the same actor who played Frank in How to Get Away with Murder, uh, which is a... a wild show that i think everyone should indulge in because it's really fun but i watched that show and i never made this connection before because he looks so different on that show and he's like way older are you saying ben and frank <laughs> are the same person i think they know each other in some way like they're connected huh. maybe they're roommates <laughs> but yeah okay. um, I, I don't see it but the point is i've always been attracted to frank so as soon as hannah pointed out that that's the same guy i'm like okay the so, tables so, have turned so it, it's just that ben it was a little bit of the young side for you here yes. and now when he's older you're like okay it's more age appropriate so now it's like oh and i was like i don't want an intern i want a man <laughs> <laughs> so thank god i have been waiting for a very long time for somebody to thirst over and it's gonna be ben the intern now, now you can thirst over him because you know how he turns out i know that it, it it's all for the best you know like I, i've got receipts <laughs> for how this is gonna turn out for him so anyway he takes off his shirt Woo! but as he's changing the camera pans away oh no to the other side of the locker room where there's a I, I like I I call him a clown demon here, but then later I call him like a licky demon because he's just. Oh my God, <laughs> you're not allowed to name demons anymore. <laughs> what would you call him? What What are you gonna call clown him? Clown demon, I think, was good. 
That was fine. That was acceptable. No, not Licky Demon. Because from far away, it looks like a clown because he's got a like a no, like his nose is like red or black or something. Um, but when you get close up, it, there are open sore wounds. They're like it's like he's been sliced open. It's very creepy. Yeah, it's he's creepy, and his his tongue is really long, and he keeps he keeps like putting it out of his mouth. I assumed that was because like you know he's like a, a reptile; he can like sense things with his tongue. Oh damn! You really thought about the bi- biology of this demon. Um, he <laughs> is or she, I guess, is stalking what looks like Ben, but suddenly that woman that woman just grabs a demon from behind and says, puts puts her hand over his mouth and says, "I need a favor." So, I don't know what she's doing in the hospital. They don't ever explain this, right? But yeah, very curious. Curious indeed. And thank God Ben was saved to take off his shirt another day. Maybe she was looking for Buffy. She's like, Buffy's going to be injured. I'm going to go to the hospital. Possibly. Questions, questions, questions. So, cut to the magic shop, the new hippin' happening place to hang out. This scene gives me big library vibes. Yes. I'm just like, yes, this is, this is what I wanted. Anya is saying goodbye to a customer at the magic shop, um, <laughs> and she she really took Xander's constructive criticism in the last episode to heart, and she's like, thank you for purchasing at the magic shop, and she's so bright and cheery. Um, and of course, Giles being British does not approve. So Anya is just very excited that she's making money at a job, and we still never know how she supported herself before this. I don't know if she had like shrewd investments or something. Something like that. Uh, but she calls herself a working gal. <laughs> Um, and Giles says, well, why don't you start with organizing the shipping orders? And Anya says, no, that's boring. I just want to do the money parts. <laughs> I love this for Anya. I love that this is that she's found purpose again because Anya has always been a working girl, right? She worked vengeance for a millennium. She had the best boss in the world, Dehoffrin. And then she kind of lost that and she didn't know who she was. And then she hung out with Xander for a year. So now she's find, found, <laughs> finding purpose again. And I'm happy she for hit her. rock bottom. <laughs> as we, as one does but now she's rising up again love it uh so buffy and xander come into the magic box and uh buffy's admitting she forgot about the party and calls it not the most thrilling social event of the season burn ouch ouch, mm. ouch. that's mean and xander says well it's a big deal for willow you're gonna be there right and buffy says yeah you know pending monsters do you notice that xander is since for the last couple episodes he's just been like I think I commented on this before. He just dresses nicer. Like, he just looks better. Yeah, so he's he's abandoned the unbuttoned shirt over a long-sleeved shirt, kind of early 2000s aesthetic he was rocking in favor of just these ni- nice kind of fitted light sweaters, which I think that's from the replacement, right? Is, mm-hmm. you know, when they merged the two Xanders, the uh, suave Xander uh, has rubbed off a little bit on Xander. And th- so we're, we're seeing him, you know, he's learning carpentry and he's dressing better. He's not learning it. He's mastered it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, hey, I'll say it here. I'll say it now. Good for him. Yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah. So Xander leans in and kisses Anya. <laughs> um, so everything seems right for them right now. Uh, and Buffy sees all the books open on the table. Uh, and Giles is like, well, you know, you didn't give me much to go on here. So... You know, he can't narrow down the search. He says, can you be more specific about what she's like? And Buffy says, kind of like Cordelia, actually. 
I'm pretty sure she dyes her hair. <laughs> I think that's a really interesting comparison. What do you think about that stuff? I mean, she's not incorrect. Like, there are definitely comparisons to be made. Me, me, me. It's all about me. Yeah, like between, but between older Cordelia versus yes. the Cordelia that we came to know and love before she left the show. And at this point on Angel, I'm assuming Cordelia is is, a, is definitely more softer. I guess. I guess we'll find out if we ever review Angel. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> Uh, so Giles is like, oh, of course. Okay, our work is done. Uh, and Xander says, the answer is somewhere here. It's right in front of us, and we're too blind to see it. He slaps the table. He's being all sarcastic. Giles does not appreciate this humor, and Xander says, okay, I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> so Buffy's asking Xander, you know, what did he get Tara for her birthday? Because he brought this up earlier. Um, and Xander's like, oh, no, that was a lie. Lies. He doesn't know what to get her. Uh, he just says, oh, she's nice. And Buffy's like, yeah, nice. So I think they're realizing they don't really know Tara, even though she's been hanging around for several months at this point. Yeah. They they say a couple of times, like Xander says, I don't get her, but she's really nice. And they're both like, yeah, we don't understand half the things she says, but she's super nice. And I and like earlier when Buffy said, you know, like, it's not the most thrilling social event. I was like, you guys are kind of being kind of mean. This is a pretty mean spirited type of conversation. But I can't say that I n- I've never had a conversation like this before. Because sometimes you, j- you just don't know somebody um, or you don't think much about them at all, even though they're around. And you-, you could just be like, I've got nothing against that person. Nothing at all. Don't care about them, though. And I think that's pretty normal. But I- again, it- when you see it played out on screen, <laughs> you're like, wow, that's actually pretty mean. You know, I agree. I think it's just it's easier to cover for it these days because we've got Amazon. So we can just order a lot of stuff online for somebody. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, you know, I think she's going to like this. Back in this era, you had to actually go to a store and find a gift. Right. And so that takes more time and effort. And effort. Yeah. And I think I say this later when Buffy's saying she's got like a present buying headache because she doesn't know what to get Tara at all. Um, I was like, Buffy, like it's so simple, like a succulent or like if that's if you don't know what to get somebody. <laughs> Hello, you're in a magic shop right now. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's that. But like, I, I'm just saying if, you, if anyone, if you're in a bind, you don't know what to get someone, a, a little potted plant. It's cute. It's it's easy to take care of. And makes you look thoughtful. <laughs> Write that down. So Buffy's wondering if there will be a heavy Wiccan crowd at the party. And Xander says, well, that's sort of her and Willow's deal. Swinging with the Wiccan lifestyle. Mm. I'm rolling my eyes here because, of course, you know, that's a, a reference to them being gay. And it's like, we get it. We get it. You're using uh, their magical lifestyle as an allegory for their gay lifestyle. It's Thanks, Sander. We, we talked about that a lot in season four. Um, I couldn't actually, maybe this is where you can pinpoint it for me, because in this episode, obviously, there's a lot of that allegory being paralleled over and over and over again, right? And I always just assumed it, it's supposed to, they really want to be saying lesbian and, you know, your gay lifestyle and your queer lifestyle. But they say Wiccan and witch and stuff. So, like, it can it can be taken both ways, of course. But I couldn't help. I was just like, I think that they really are trying to talk about uh, the queer aspect of it. Yeah, I think so. I think that the, the show is showing them coming to terms, not necessarily with not being cool with Willow being queer, but they're not really sure how to navigate it, right? And I think you and I talked about this in uh, the episode where... Willow was coming out to Buffy and others is other than Larry, um, they haven't really spent much time with any openly queer people. 
And so yeah. I think it's more of a discomfort of like, well, what is it supposed to be like, right? It's not like these days where, you know, the token straight person in your crowd can come and hang out at the gay bar. It's like, because everybody was very much living in the closet when somebody comes out and then they find their queer community, there's more separation happening. And so I think they're just feeling really awkward because they're like, Willow's got this whole lifestyle which makes it sound like it's choice and it's not but she's got this lifestyle that they're not a part of at all yeah and that's fair and like hey they're at least buffy's voicing it right like i just you know i just don't want to feel awkward yeah i think it's cool that we're getting this scene where we're seeing you know the friends talking about like how do we deal with our friend's new relationship i think we'd get a version of this scene if willow were dating a man it would just be somewhat different and I, again, I think it's really easy to read this as what they're saying, Wiccan lifestyle or queer lifestyle, right? So I think it's it's interesting. You can take it both ways. Uh, so B- Buffy makes the comment about the present buying headache. She's like, Tara's damn birthday is one too many things for me to worry about, <laughs> which I think that's a little bit rude. Yeah. Means like you knew Tara's birthday was coming up, right? Like yeah. Willow could have told you months ago, uh, birthdays are never surprises <laughs> unless you make them a surprise. Like, yes, you have a lot to worry about. I will cut you a little bit of slack because your mom is really sick. Um, But I'm going to make this point. You have a boyfriend. You could have delegated this job to Riley. Ooh, and speaking of that, I actually want to say, like, it is slim pickings, you know what I mean? It's low-hanging fruit here. But I'm impressed that Xander is taking on the initiative of buying the gift for Tara because he also has a girlfriend that's coming to the party. And, like, yes, Anya doesn't understand (laughs) things like gift giving and helping your friends move um so it makes sense why he would take over this task but like you know a lot of the time it is the woman in the relationship that takes on those kind of tasks that is a good point i did not think of that because i've never been in a relationship so (laughs) thank you for pointing that out i'm just saying if i don't do it my husband doesn't do it you know what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't listen he should because i (laughs) trash him so much on here Hey, we also give him credit for like, you know, putting up wallpaper and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was that time he was putting up shelves. Yeah, exactly. No, he sent me pictures afterwards. Yeah, yeah. He's doing great work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Xander tells Buffy she should train or stretch, you know, work off the tension. Uh, and so that leads us right into the next scene where we see Buffy and Spike. <laughs> Oh, they're having a physical fight, a very physical fight in his crypt. Um, It goes on for quite a long time. Looks like they're fighting to the death. Um, It's so many levels, too. Like, you know, they're up, they're down, they're jumping on things. At one point, Buffy wraps her legs around him and throws him to the ground. When they're on the ground, Slayer says, you want me, Slayer? Come and get me. And Buffy says, I'm coming. I'm coming right now. And cut to Spike and Harmony having sex climaxing in bed together and harmony's like what are you thinking and he says all about you baby and harmony's like oh you're my little lamb so (laughs) okay question is it ever a good idea to ask your partner what they're thinking about just after orgasm because do you want to take the chance the answer is not you i think it really depends on how smart your partner is Oh, it's a test. <laughs> it's a test. Because, I mean, hey, you don't... <laughs> like, who, who among us cannot say that they ha- haven't let their mind wander uh, now and then? Um, but if they're a smart partner and you say, well, what were you thinking of? And they don't say you, 
then I'm, that's not the one for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> because the smart answer is always you, baby. Exactly what uh, Spike says here. Okay, is this the most gratuitous sex scene that we've ever seen yet on the show? No. Are you sure? Be- uh, besides the bite sex, meow. No, the haunted dick. Uh, yo, but this is what I'm saying. That yes. was too much. We've seen roly-poly roughy. That broke me. No, no, no. But we've seen them like roll around in the sheets, right? Uh, we've seen her have sheeted sex with Parker. We had that dream sex with Buffy and Angel. But this is really intense because we're actually watching them climax he's on top of her they're like right that's fair it's it's pretty graphic and this is what when you said earlier about the aging of the buffy uh the point i had about aging that i noticed in this episode was just the maturity level in which now we're getting scenes like this so that the show is maturing with its characters because they're all 20 now they all have sex now um so this is our first in my opinion first real glimpse at like more hardcore sex scenes and it's between demons sure but it's hey i'm just saying like i was like whoa like they don't get hardcore sex scenes buffy (laughs) no this is this is the worst it's gonna get i think don't you worry Um, cara but i i take your point and i agree Mm. you know it's very much like boy meets world or one of those other tv shows that you know often networks don't let shows age they Mm. they want a show to be the same season after season and in this case clearly uh, Joss Whedon was allowed to let the characters grow up so he could tell a story, which I think is a very interesting thing to see happen right now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Spike <laughs> Spike having sex with Harmony, but imagining himself uh, fighting with Buffy. Clearly Spike's obsession with Buffy, the sexual aspect of it, is growing. You, you'll see Buffy clearly represents Spike's repressed feelings towards his mother figure. <laughs> which, and I'm taking a puff on my pipe as I, I make these comments, but you see, uh, Spike, he, he works them out through the fight sequence with Buffy, where her legs represent <laughs> how his mother never really gave him enough love as a child. Oh my god, you nailed it! <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't even want to get... There's so much more to go on in the next season about Spike, but his sexual obsession with her is growing to the point where now he's physically ejaculating while thinking about her kicking his ass. I just, I feel sorry for Harmony because clearly he's letting her stick around as a substitute for Buffy, right? Mm -hmm. And you and I were talking earlier at one point about that can be very unfair when um, two people are in a relationship and one of them uh, is very aware that they're actually hung up on somebody else, right? And mm. it, it's it, it's difficult, right? Because it's like, poor Harmony. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel a lot for Harmony in this situation, even though she is an evil soulless vampire. Would you say it's still abuse? It's still abuse what Spike is doing to her? Like, he just pleasured her, sure. But in lying to her and using her body this way so that he can, you know, sexually gratify himself thinking about Buffy, is that mm. is that a type of abuse? Um, it's dishonest, that's for sure. It's dishonest, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I assume the, the rest of their relationship is still abusive, so this is just part of it. I think that behavior by itself is dishonest. I don't know. Would you call it abusive? I'm not sure. I, mm. I'm not sure where you draw that particular line. But yeah, it, it's definitely dishonest. And so like, if 
Spike is really in love with Buffy. He seems to think he is from what he said so far. So he's emotionally cheating on Harmony at this point, right? Which does not make him a very good dude. Surprise, surprise. He also has no soul. (laughs) Yeah. And like him thinking he's in love with her. uh, You and I have more time to explore this. But in this episode, particularly, you can see how he's how he's playing around with that idea in his head. Right. Like, what does it mean? He's figuring it out. Yeah, I don't I think it's a little bit too soon for you and I to really ask ourselves, is he in love with her? (laughs) You know, at this point, I see it more as obsession, but more to talk more. I think I think what I would call spike's behavior about harm towards harmony i would say it's manipulative which i i guess now that i think about it more is a type of abuse right so yeah yeah, i i I would say spike is being abusive here so we go back to the magic shop giles is asking xander and buffy if they found anything yet and they think he's talking about tara's birthday (laughs) so giles is like you're in a magic shop and you can't think of what tara would like i believe you're both profoundly stupid (laughs) (laughs) and uh xander says well we don't know what witches like like what are you what are you gonna get her some cheesy crystal ball and giles is like you bloody well better not i've got mine already wrapped (laughs) so a man a white man enters store he's got a beard and he's like i say are all these magic books and giles is like yeah that's a private collection books for sale are against the wall over there and he's like all these books got spells in them turn people to frogs things like that and the scoobies are all like looking at each other because they're like what and xander says yeah we're building a race of frog people it's a good time that was funny good job xander (laughs) and the guy's like you all witches hey don't put a spell on me now and i automatically hate this guy like just shut the fuck up uh giles asks him if he's looking for something particular and that's when tara and willow walk in and he's like well what do you know and then tara's like shocked and he's like what's the matter don't you have a hug for your big brother and tara's like uh willow this is donnie and willow shakes his hand and tara's like these are all my friends and her brother says all you hang out wow that's more people than you met in high school. And Tara's like, how did you find, I mean, how come you came? And he's like, well, duh, birthday girl. We came down in the camper. We've been all over campus. And Tara's like, we? And in comes a man and a woman. And Tara's like, oh, dad, hi. And she stiffly gives him a hug while he says, like, here's my girl. She calls the woman with this man, Cousin Beth. And this woman is Amy adams oscar nominated by like like five times amy adams within her apparently like her second actor character role ever wow yeah i know I knew it was amy adams i just i didn't realize she was that like early in her career I oh guess. she's fresh she's fresh here i mean i think the first time i ever really knew her was um smallville she did a, another guest star there in an episode oh interesting do you remember the one where she where um the girl wanted to lose weight and the kryptonite food she was making the I, spinach. I don't think i watched the very beginning of smallville i think i got in a couple of seasons in of course i remember that amy adams became lois lane yes 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 so, so like i really love amy adams i think she's a wonderful actress so it's nice to see this little cameo of her tara's dad says uh one of your doormates said i'd find you here and he's clearly disgusted by this and tara like introduces her friends again and um her dad's polite and he says, you know, I didn't mean to interrupt your plans, but we came suddenly, thought that we'd have dinner. Why don't I pick you up at six and we'll do some catching up? And Tara's like, yes, sir. This this is so interesting to me. It's like they found her dorm. 
did they hack the computer like Spike did that one time last year? It's really easy to or, do. <laughs> you know, is the university just giving out private information? Like, or is he on her contact list? Yeah, like maybe they always knew because, you know, she gets to school. She's like, this is the number if you ever happen to come by, not even though I know you won't. Right. When they leave, Willow's like, wow, your family seems nice. And Tara's like, yeah, they're okay. Families are always, and Willow says they make you crazy. And Tara says, usually. So I'm surprised that Tara has never talked about her family with Willow. Uh, they've been hanging out for about a year now, you know, and you'd think it would come up once. Obviously, Tara probably will find out why she wouldn't want to bring her family up. But Willow seems to have zero clue about them at all. Um, and I was like, surely Willow would have told Tara all about Sheila and uh, Ira <laughs> Rosenberg, <laughs> um, who work at the school. We just never see them. Yeah, this is interesting. So let's go to the Summer's house because this is even more interesting. Buffy comes home and Riley was unpacking and putting away all of her stuff, which I think is a really nice favor to do for your girlfriend. Like it's, you know, he gets brownie but points. He'd put it, he'd put it in all the wrong places. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> Can you imagine too? He's like, uh, oh, oh, I unpacked it. That's Dawn's room. Like he just got the like the oh whole thing God. incorrect. I <laughs> know, <laughs> uh, but I'm just, I don't, I don't think I'd want somebody to unpack my room. I would love it. I never unpack anything. So, like, actually, I'll show you, Cara. Look at those boxes. Oh, my God. That, there's legit just a pile of boxes <laughs> in the corner of Seth's room. I moved into this house over a year ago. <laughs> uh, and that's another reason Seb is on my case all the time. So, anyway, anyway, Buffy says, like, she, like she, he's earned a big favor from her and there might be outfits. So, again, like, the sexual implications of that yeah, that one i i definitely caught that one i'm like yeah. oh that's really interesting what kinds of outfits would buffy wear for riley because he's so vanilla Schoolgirl. oh <laughs> no oh no because like, he was a ta right so something like that oh, i think not like a lab coat oh lab coat army maybe army gear um <laughs> there's i don't i don't want to talk about this anymore let's change this let's change yeah we'll change the subject um uh so riley says uh be still my heart and they kiss be still my heart it's a pun right because his heart he had heart problems last episode oh i see i see i see dawn is coming and she's like see you later and Buffy's like, she stops her and she's like, where are you going? And Dawn says, Melinda's for dinner. She's got her little purse and everything. Like, she's so sophisticated. <laughs> and Buffy's like, well, you can't. It's not safe for you to go there. And Dawn's like, it's across the street. What's the big deal? And Buffy's like, no, it's family night. Besides, M Melinda's a bad influence. I don't like you hanging out with someone that, that short. And Dawn's like, I'm so glad you're moving back into the house. This is the source of my gladness. And she scowls and she goes upstairs. Okay. A plus attitude from Dawn right now. Like, she is giving attitude and I love it. As she should. That is annoying. Just as for Melinda, who <laughs> like is just sitting at the table next to an empty bowl of craft dinner. And, like, it's never going to get to serve it to her friend. Well, I, I was thinking, when you and I were chatting about this before, I proposed this to you. Maybe Dawn was bringing dinner in a bag. And that's what was in the purse. <laughs> because, as a, you know, as a true Summers woman, uh, she has learned the art of dinner in a bag from Joyce. And <laughs> I bet she brings dinner in a bag to her friends all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because when you were watching this, you were saying... Okay, so Car and I were messaging each other when we were watching the episode... 
and you had said like oh i'm really emotional like this this episode makes me cry and i was like oh is it because angel's not in it like there's reasons we didn't mean and we came down to the fact that you were upset that melinda never got to have her friend over for dinner (laughs) 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 poor girl and then she got short shamed but yeah no i think don has every right to be annoyed by this like who the fuck are you to tell me i can't go to my friend's house like having dinner with your friends is like the funnest so like buffy's the one who says she makes me crazy (laughs) which is so funny um so riley follows buffy to the living room and he's like yeah that's kind of the word i was going for a lot of young people nowadays are experimenting with shortness gotta nip that in the bud (laughs) I think that's a good joke. So Buffy says, you know, she can't be running around doing whatever she likes. And Riley's like, it's more than that. And Buffy says, because, and actually, that's actually very perceptive of Riley for once. Buffy says, we all have to be careful. Also, Stephen Chick is new and I don't, I don't know what I'm up against. And Riley's like, well, if we're in trouble, I can contact Graham, get the government boys on it. And Buffy's like, no, I don't want them anywhere near this. And... It's interesting because, Riley, a couple episodes ago, you were so mistrusting of the government. You were tinfoil hatting. He was out of his mind, (laughs) to be fair. (laughs) Oh, he said it. He was out of his mind. (laughs) So it appears that he's trying to look for purpose again by suggesting that, hey, this is something I can go do for you. And Buffy shuts it down immediately, which leaves Riley feeling annoyed uh, that she's that she's refusing this help from him. Uh, so he just he says like it was just a suggestion and Buffy's like the fewer people involved the safer I would feel and Riley's mood has completely changed and he says every time I think I'm getting closer to you I gotta take off so he goes to leave and Buffy's like no like she tries to stop him and he says you've got a lot on your mind if you decide you want to let me in on any of it let me know I'll come running fuck off Riley Riley you fucking child you childish child. If you're tired of being Buffy's little bitch, stop being one. <laughs> like, what? Ooh. No, I'm sorry. But like, I mean, it's so true. Like I said earlier, what he did was a very nice favor for Buffy. While Buffy was with her friends talking about parties and pretending to do research, Riley was doing work for her. Riley was unpacking for her because he's got nothing else to do except play b-ball with the boys. And that's only a couple times a week. So to get pissy and bring up yourself that like i'll come running like calling yourself out for being so whipped that's on you buffy didn't ask you to do any of that stuff or maybe she did and we just missed it (laughs) but um yeah don't get pissy at her communicate your needs if she's not meeting them tell her why and communicate with each other right yeah, I agree with you. I, I think Buffy is not treating Riley very well right now, but she has a lot going on. And I, I think you've identified the crux of it, which is Riley has every right to be upset with Buffy and how she's behaving towards him. But he's not handling it maturely. No, tell her. And then on the other hand, like we know why Buffy is worried. And we just we already talked about why, like, should Buffy be telling people? And we were like, maybe not Riley. But again, if Buffy did tell Riley, that would alleviate this problem, right? Like, it would become clear to him why Buffy doesn't want Dawn to go. Like, this is basic communications. Buffy has her reasons. She's a slayer. She can keep a secret. Like, I have, I'm not saying she can't. But that's why it's hard. It's hard because we know. I think Buffy was triggered when, when Riley said we should involve the initiative. 
Buffy knows the initiative is famous for experimenting on supernatural beings. So if the initiative found out through Riley that Dawn is some sort of supernatural being, it's another thing on Buffy's shoulders that they might take her. They might try to experiment on her. So oh, like, so, so I just, I just, I really feel for Buffy here. She doesn't want to keep secrets from Riley, but she has no choice in her mind. And Riley getting pissy about that. And again, kind of disrespecting or not understanding the layers that come with being the slayer Mm. riley you don't need to know everything which he should be used to right because as a a military commando he should be used to need to know yeah and like you said like um buffy is not treating riley the way he wants to be treated and probably the way he should be treated in a lot of ways but this is normal i mean We've already talked a lot about Buffy. Does she love him? Does she not? I see it as a convenient love for her, right? It's easy love, which what love really should be. Love should be easy. But I think that showing this here, like they're not communicating and they're naturally drifting apart. And Riley senses that. Buffy doesn't because she's caught up in her other stuff. Riley senses that they're drifting apart from each other and he's acting out and getting pissy about it. Because I think he sees it. The time is coming to a close. And she's clueless about that. And that hurts. So this happens in real life all the time. This is actually quite realistic to me. So yeah, that's why I harp on like the communication aspect of it is like if you guys actually opened up and talked about what your problems are, especially on Riley's end, and then Buffy can like, you know, decide for herself how she wants to handle that. This would go a lot easier for them. Yeah. So Tara enters her dorm room. And here's an... (laughs) Again, the questions this brought up for me. So Tara, right. and, Tara and Willow are not living together, as you had speculated. Right. We we thought <laughs> I thought they were living together because they were moving in Willow, I guess. Um. So I I guess this is one of those things where it's like in the first year you have to kind of live with a roommate, and then in your second year you can get like a single room. Uh you can get a single room in your first year. I think you pay more. Right. Dorms are so confusing. It, well, I think it also probably depends on the university. But uh, yeah, I don't know. She enters it. And that's not the weirdest thing that happens because her dad is standing in there. And he says the door wasn't locked. And I was like, why wasn't the door locked, Tara? I'm not surprised that Tara got attacked so much last season because she just makes really poor decisions when it comes to her living situation. <laughs> like leaving her dorm at 2 a.m., during gentlemen's night (laughs) and getting attacked like just lock your doors ladies always the dad is like accusing her she's like i I suppose you wanted me to see all these little toys he's like holding up her crystals and stuff he says you don't even try to hide it anymore i thought you'd gotten over the whole witchcraft thing if we let you go um you'd get it out of your system then they told me to look for you at the store And Tara's like, I didn't know you were coming. And he says, of course we came. We haven't heard from you in months. Your birthday is getting closer and closer. And you know what that means. And Tara's getting upset. And he says, you're turning 20, same age as your mother was when she dot, dot, dot. Do your friends even know? And Tara says, yes. And he says, are you lying to me? Are you lies? Uh, You're coming home with us. You know, it's the only way. You can't control what's going to happen. You have an evil inside of you and it will come out. Letting yourself work all this magic is only going to make it worse. Where do you think this power comes from? Tara says, it doesn't feel evil, sir. And he says, evil never does. And then he's like, I don't feel much like eating, right? Like, take your time. Say your goodbyes. We'll, We'll leave in the morning. And before he leaves, he says, your family loves you, Tara, no matter what. How do you think your friends are going to feel when they see your true face? 
this seems like a guy who just has Tara's best interests at heart, and he seems to be treating her really well, um, and I, I don't think this is going to lead anywhere awful at all. No, this is a father's love for his daughter. This is fine. Yeah, this is totally fine. Nothing toxic or abusive about this at all, except everything about this is abusive. <laughs> like, this is so dark. Oh, this dear. is so dark. Like, he's gaslighting her. Right? Like, he's making her question her reality. Evil never does. Like, what the fuck? Like, what are you talking about? So we don't know what he's referring to yet, but this is such a classic technique of abusers, right? He's telling her what she's feeling. You're feeling something evil, and he's acting like everything that she's done, like decorating her room, was about him. It's not about him. Yeah, I. I it, this is really difficult for me to speak to because... Fortunately, I have not experienced anything like this in my life, so it can be difficult to wrap my head around how effective this type of abuse can be, right? People like Tara's father have this ability to grossly extend their reach into somebody else's life. Tara shouldn't be afraid of him right she is an adult she is her own person she is living on her own um he, he shouldn't have control over her but she gives him this power and i want to be clear i'm not blaming tara for that this is not me blaming the victim but i'm trying to point out how incredibly strange it is that this is what an abuser does right it it really shows you how effective they are that even though he actually can't control Tara he is exerting this influence over her because of his skill at manipulating her and gaslighting her and that is what makes abusers like this like you said so scary and he's also like a classic technique of abusers is to isolate right and he's isolating her by saying do your friends know? Like, do they have they seen your true face? Because they won't like it. We're your family no matter what. Like, we love you no matter what. And basically saying that the people she has in her life now wouldn't. So that's like making her feel like she has no choice. It's manipulation. And it's really, really hard to watch. So we cut to the licky demon <laughs> who's who's tied to a rack of clothes and he's waking up and the woman has him there and she's like finally i thought you were going to nap the whole day away and then she he's like growling so she's like stop whining i remember when the layock were a proud warrior race not sneaking around hospitals looking for weak sickly types to suck the bone marrow from oh so that's what the tongue is for <laughs> it's a bone marrow sucking tongue <laughs> Slurping up that marrow. Ugh. So um, we're in this woman's living space now, right? It looks like it's just one giant closet. <laughs> Wait, so you object to bone marrow slurping, but you're okay with bite sex? Yeah, bone marrow is like bone marrow. If you've ever eaten it for dinner, it's gross already. So <laughs> and blood isn't. Hey, I've had duck blood soup in China. It's not that bad. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I'm not judging. I'm not judging. Stop judging me, Kara. That's racist. <laughs> um, let's talk about this woman's giant wardrobe. Yes, it's just like please. so my, many oh my clothes. God. She looks amazing. She's wearing like, this green leather dress. Yeah, like where, where did she come from? And how did she get all the stuff? We're, we got to know more about her. Is she living in the same apartment building as Xander? Yeah. <laughs> <She> <laughs> the nice apartment yeah, building. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> They're like neighbors. <laughs> 
<laughs> he walks past her in the hall every day. And this is something we could definitely compare her to Cordelia for, because this is Cordelia's dream, right? Like, having this many clothes. Cordelia left Sunnydale too soon. <laughs> Maybe that's Cordelia's old wardrobe. Maybe she this woman bought it off her. Mm. So, um... The woman is saying, like, can we talk about my problems for 30 seconds? <laughs> and she says, blonde, short, strong for a human, and massively rude. Broke my shoe, took my monk. Do you have any idea who I'm talking about? And the demon growls, and she's like, a slayer? Oh, God, please don't tell me I was fighting a vampire slayer. How unbelievably common. If I had friends and they heard about this, and you know she's going around town telling everybody. How common is a vampire slayer? There's only one. <laughs> common, like, I guess, like, level of class. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> so um, she grabs this demon and she's like, I am great and I am beautiful. And when I enter a room, all eyes turn to me because my name is a holy name and you will listen. Get your friends, find the girl, kill the girl. Okay, baby, you have the cutest little separating sores. Has anyone ever told you that? So this woman's still unhinged, as we can tell. But um, my thing was like, if you're so strong, right, and you think the Slayer is so common and puny, like, why do you need this demon to kill her? I think that's the point. She doesn't need the demon, but Buffy is beneath her. So, you know, why would she dirty her hands? Sully... Or those fashionable clothes with the blood of a slayer. Mm, okay. All right. Because that, that was one of my questions. I was like, why? Why send this? Other than the fact that, you know, they're licky and cool. <laughs> Cut to Tara staring at her crystal. And she's sad. Sad girl vibes. Uh, Willow comes in. Nobody knocks. Nobody, you know. Well, the door's open. <laughs> but you still knock, right? <laughs> well, like, yeah. Uh, so she's like, Giles called a meeting about our spanking new menace. And Tara says, oh, you go. Fill me in later. And Willow says, you have to come. This demon chick is really powerful. We can, we can try the spell. The, the one to find demons. Um, so they're referring to a spell from last season where Willow was trying to find uh, a demon that was terrorizing everybody. Uh, and Tara says, that didn't work. Lies. <laughs> you lie. Why is it a lie, Steph? Remember, Tara botched that spell. She threw the, the purpose. potion sand away. <gasps> She's lying. Now we know why. Tara seems to think there's something wrong with her, the spell might have revealed. Mm. So Tara, of course, makes the time-honored excuse. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's like, my family's here. You know, not everything's about your friends and stuff. And Oof. Yeah, you can see the look on Willow's face. But she's like, yeah, okay. So she turns to go and Tara says, well, there's so much going on. I'm really tired. Willow's like, okay, sure. And so she leaves. And this gives Tara an idea. You know, light bulb moment. She opens a book. I agree with Tara. Not everything is about Willow and her friends, yeah, you know? I agree absolutely. with her. She's allowed to be tired. And I'm also kind of like, Willow, this is the first time you've ever seen Tara act like this or lash out or be harsh in any sort of way. Not even harsh, but like putting down boundaries. Maybe you should, I don't know, what's the word, Car? What's the word? Ask? <laughs> like, maybe you yeah, should like, ask her what's going on. We don't know anything about Tara's background or family. And now her family has just shown up out of the blue. Willow is totally fixated on the Scooby stuff. And she's not at all like, so, Tara, you look like you're a little bit disturbed that your family's here. And I got some weird vibes off your dad. Do you want to have a conversation about this? You know, there are some issues with how some of the characters in this, sh this episode are acting 
in a way to kind of keep the plot of the episode going, right? I, I mm-hmm. think Willow should be more emotionally intelligent than she is right now, but she can't be for the episode to progress. Also, like Willow, queen of schedules over here. Uh, t- Tara should be out with to dinner right now with her family. And you came over and she's not. And she's sadly looking at crystals. Like, like you know, <laughs> like you're right. She should be more in tune than this. So uh, cut to the magic shop where... The Scoobies are all there, and Giles is calling this meeting, right? And Buffy brought Dawn, obviously. And as um, they start doing the meeting, we see Tara being a sketchball in the back room gym area, and she's watching them. And then she does a spell. She says, blind, cadria, desolate queen, work my will upon them all, your curse upon them, my obeisance to you. And she blows the dust, and it flies into the air, and it hits all the Scoobies who don't realize it. Well, it goes into their eyes. Oh, so they can't see. Yeah. Okay, so we cut to Willie's place, but there's no Willie. Willie's not there. Where's Willie? Uh, There's a random man there. (laughs) That's a book. (laughs) Is it? No, I mean, that's where... Where's Waldo? Where's where's Waldo, or for our UK listeners, where's Wally? (laughs) Um... I, so, yes, I, I felt like the show was gaslighting me. I'm like, you're not the real Willie. I thought they had recast him, and we were in, like, a bewitched situation here. Yeah. Um, But no, it, it's just, they do lampshade it later. They're like, oh, if Willie were here. And I'm like, yeah, he's not here. Leave. Yeah. And don't, you know, bring back Willie. Think we wouldn't notice? Think we wouldn't fucking notice? Free Willie. Free Willie! <laughs> Also an amazing movie from the 90s. One of my favorites. All right. Well, okay. So this man is talking to some guy and he's saying, you've got to I don't rest- care. <laughs> I don't care. He's where's Willie. Shut up, man. Um, he's just saying, we'll call this guy Wally. <laughs> Wally is like, you've got to rep with these monsters, but you coming in here night after night, are you looking to get killed? It's so Riley. We th- yeah, we think he's supposed to be talking to Spike, right? He, oh, yeah. That's what I thought at first, too. Psych. He's talking to Riley, who says, um, you know, he comes for the ambience. What can I say? The place just reeks of class. So he's, like, coming here and, like, besmirching Willie's name. Oh, dear. Right? right? Willie is running a respectable institution these Riley, days. Riley, last time you were here, you were, like, crying because you couldn't figure out good versus evil. So <laughs> shut up. Um, the bartender is, like, if Willie were here, and Riley says, Willie's not here. Hit me. So the bartender pours another drink. So... Riley's been coming here night after night? That's not a good sign. That's a really terrible sign. I don't know about this. So a woman comes over and she's like drinking alone. Uh, She basically says what I just said. (laughs) So she sits down next to him and she said, and he's like, I'd buy you a drink, but neither one of us has that problem anymore now, do we? What does that mean, Riley? So she says vodka tonic. And he, so he gets her one. And she says, I'm Sandy. Now, Kara. Kara, the amount of messages, emails, DMs, social media comments, the 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 mountain of people that needed us to know that Sandy, who we've seen before, will return in season five, is phenomenal. It's 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 next level. So can you remind us? Who said? Sandy was murdered by Vampire Willow 
in Doppelgangland Season 3. And you and I were like, is, is Willow not going to face consequences for murdering this girl in the bronze in front of like 50 people? Um, the amount of people that were like, she ain't dead! <laughs> and like, you and I oh know. Like, we Which is, know. That, so That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and thank you listeners for writing in because... Of course, it, the one time people assume we know, uh, nobody's going to write in and then we're not going to know. Yeah. Um, so we appreciate it. But yes, we heard you loud and clear. <laughs> we weren't there yet. We, we're here now. We've, we, we've caught up. Um, this is the, the scene in Spaceballs where they're watching the tape and it's like, well, when's now? Now is now. Um, also, when did Willow, Vampire Willow, have time to feed Sandy, Sandy her blood? Like, we didn't see that. She just, she drained Sandy and dropped her on the floor and we yep. went on with her business. Yeah. So I think anyone who was, who was truly a new watcher would obviously think that Sandy had died. <laughs> uh, but she's not. Maybe she's a she didn't completely drain Sandy. Maybe she just, you know, tasted Sandy and then passed her off to a minion. And the minion's like, I'm going to turn you. Yeah, because he liked the way she looked. Uh, I'll also add that this Sandy, the actress, was on Dawson's Creek. Yeah, so there she is, you guys. She lives undeadly. <laughs> and um, she's saying that this place is such a dive. And Riley is like, you got to close your eyes, plug your nostrils. Ha 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 ha. He's flirting with her. She says, we could go somewhere else, somewhere more private. And Riley's like, oh, Sandy, Sandy, Sandy. Oh, Sandy is actually my favorite song from Greece. Just, just so you know. <laughs> it's no good. My heart belongs to another. Besides, I don't go out with vampires. They're never interested in my intellect. So Sandy scowls at that. Riley's not going to have sex with this vampire, you guys, as much as I know you want him to. But yeah, I don't like this for Riley. He's coming to this bar night after night because he's sad. After him and Buffy have a fight, I guess he comes here and has a drink. Ooh, like this is a, a dangerous path you're on, Riley. You better turn around. Speaking of bad paths, let's cut to Spike's crypt where he's staring at the dummy head of what we made a joke that it was Joyce, but like it's Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's creepy. But Harmony comes in and she's got shopping bags. <laughs> and she's like, hi, baby. <laughs> and he calls her sweetbreads, which I think is funny because remember last time he called her my mentholated pack of smokes? <laughs> My little uh, decaf latte. <laughs> so um, Harmony says she went to April Fool's, which is the store that Cordelia used to work at. And she's like, they're having a giant sale. And of course, she didn't pay for anything. She killed the store owner. But she's like, a bargain's a bargain. <laughs> oh, Harmony. <laughs> she's not wrong. Please don't ever change. Okay. I love you so much. Okay, but the look that Spike gives her, he like loathes this conversation, right? He like can't stand her. And I was like, well, Spike, that's what you get when you date a vampire who was turned at 17 or 18 years old. Like she's acting her age. What did you expect? So <laughs> Harmony is saying she ran into Carol Beats, you know, she sired Brandon from the sewer gang. <laughs> <laughs> i love i love vampire I love gossip this. yeah vampire gossip but also like harmony is the it girl the 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 high school queen bee but of the vampire world which is so funny like gossiping um harmony says that carol says that the laoc demon was recruiting his brethren to kill the slayer apparently he got recruited from some big netherwig and now he's on a mission and that gets Spike's attention. And Harmony's like, you think they might do it? They might kill her? 
And Spike says, God, that would be pleasant. And Harmony says, well, if they do, we should get them something like a gift basket. (laughs) So Spike says, Spike gets up to go. And he's like, I want a decent seat. If the Slayer's going to die, I'm going to watch. So we cut to Sunnydale campus. Tara runs into cousin Beth, a.k.a. Amy Adams, a.k.a. Lois Lane. (laughs) Beth says that she wanted to see if everything was okay, if she needed help packing. And Tara's like, I'm not going to come with you. And Beth's like, you're not? And then she turns on a dime and she says, you selfish bitch. You don't care the slightest bitty bit about your family, do you? Your dad's been worried sick about you every day since you've been gone. There's a house that needs taking care of. Donnie and your dad have to do for themselves while you've been down here living God knows what kind of lifestyle. Oh, no. The poor men. How will they take care of themselves without a woman in the house? Tara, get packing. What the hell? Your dad and your brother are starving at home without you to cook for them. We all know men cannot make their own sandwiches. <laughs> Physically impossible. So, okay, Beth. Oh, Beth. Oh, Beth. So this whole scene, like, she gets a lot of lines in this in this episode. But um, this is just the, be- the beginning of it. But, like, the internalized misogyny much? You know what I'm saying? Like, the very idea that, like, she does believe that it's her role, it's Tara's role to take care of the men and their family. We know that she didn't get, she wasn't born thinking this way. This is something that she was taught and it was ingrained in her. So in some ways, I do feel bad for her. But this is also a really good example of how so many women hold up patriarchy because they have internalized this type of treatment of women and what they believe the women's roles are in the family. Yeah. I also feel like Beth and Riley would hit it off. <laughs> oh. So <laughs> she says, I can't wait till your little friends find out the truth about you. And they will, you know, it doesn't matter how innocent you act. They'll see unless you do some kind of spell on them. And then Tara gives her a look and she's like, you did. I'm telling your father. You think you can just go around cursing people? Your dad's going to pop. And Tara's like, you know, they wouldn't. it's just so they wouldn't see the, the demon part in me. Ooh, interesting. She says, please don't tell dad. It's harmless. So it cuts to the demon shop and Buffy is doing yoga in the back. And um, the shop door, something's at the door. Willow goes and opens it. And there's the three licky demons just standing there. But Willow, she can't see them. So she shuts the door on them. Ooh. So Tara's sitting on a bench now and Beth is saying, you know, you can't see how out of control you are. You've been lying to these people for a year and now you've put a spell on them. Is that right? Is that a human thing to do? And then she says, I'm going to tell your father. And if he doesn't force you to come home, I think he should. I think he's going to tell your friends the truth. And if I were you, I'd tell them first and then I'd tell them goodbye. Okay. So how do we feel about Tara putting a spell on the Scoobies? Not good. Agreed. I I think it's, I mean, you know, we saw Xander put a spell on everybody and bewitched, bothered, and bewildered, right? So yeah, and Willow did as well. She didn't mean to, but yeah. in some... In some this, yeah. this show has a habit of having people we're supposed to like do very unlikable things with magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, we understand her motivations behind it. Just like we understood Xander's and didn't like it, um, and we understand um, how Willow spells go awry as well. But uh, she yeah. made a poor choice here out of desperation, I think. I agree. I, just, I wanted to bring it up because I, I think you and I are going to be very sympathetic towards Tara for most of this episode. Mm-hmm. And I just want to make it clear we're not letting her slide on this uh, and we're not going to make excuses for her. This is bad. 
Yeah, mind control, mind rape, all that stuff. We've talked about that quite uh, quite often, actually. Um, this falls into that category. So if you were in front of me, Tara, I'd give you a little slap on the hand. But I think Beth is doing that for me. <laughs> so um, the licky demons are walking around the shop, right? They're walking silently, looking, looking the air. <laughs> That's the licky demons do. I think they're probably like, why is nobody noticing us? There's really bad service in this shop. No, Nobody's like, trying to upsell us on anything. Right? They're like, we recruited the brethren so that we could make a big, like, you know, huh, we huh, could destroy huh. the shop. We and, got the uh, brethren together for this? <laughs> it's the fucking worst night ever. But I, they're like, if you were, if what, if what you think is happening with their tongues is maybe they're like putting them out their mouths to like sniff out the slayer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, no one knows them, right? Uh, I think it's funny because Giles is like, Don, close the door. And she's like, I didn't open it. <laughs> so Buffy's in the back room and her Slayer senses go off because Buffy's been training her ass off and she's ready for this shit. So as the Licky Demons approach her, one swings at her. She stops it. And then she gets thrown to the floor and she shouts to Giles. She says, there's something in here. Xander runs to help, but he gets attacked by one of the three. Um, and he gets thrown back and starts to get choked. But all the Scoobies can see from their perspective is him just struggling by himself on the floor. So Willow hits a chair on top of him. Both Willow and Anya go to help Xander and Willow gets there first. And yes. you can kind of see... Anya doesn't like that. <laughs> and Willow gets thrown into Giles' coffee and tea station, which is just terrible. What a what a mess. And Giles tells Dawn to hide under the desk. Buffy is um, struggling with the other two demons when Spike comes in, and he's, like, grinning because he came here to watch this happen. But then when he sees that Buffy's being overpowered, he's kind of just like, Ugh! and then he tackles one of the demons. You can, you can really see him warring with himself yes. and credit to james marsters because like he, there's no dialogue he's just kind of like uh do i help her do i watch her die do i help her do i watch her oh i'm gonna help her yeah exactly and this is this is what i mean like when i said at the beginning like spike is really confounding me in this episode this was the beginning of it because i was like you, you you could see him internally struggle with that right almost like against his will he went to go and help her which is super entertaining to watch right and it's like fun but it's just conflicting because, okay, so he does, like, manage to get one off her. Buffy beats the other one off, and um, she runs past him to get to the front. And Spike's like, you're welcome, right? Cause, but she can't see him because he's a demon. So on one hand, I do think Buffy would have stopped both those demons by herself. I don't think she really needed his help. I think it's great that he helped her. But I'm just stuck because what are Spike's motivations in helping her? We don't really know. Like, does he love her? Is it love or is it he just seems think it to is? think he's in love with her? Yes, and he has feelings for her because he had a dream. He, he wants, <laughs> yeah. Well, he wants her sexually. He wants her to want him back. That's what he's fantasizing about. And, and I, th I think we can say that he thinks he's in love with her because he's embracing this idea of helping her. Right? Like, he thinks there's a relationship here. It's not just we're going to have sex. It's we're going to fuck and fight. Uh, and, you know, this is our thing. This is going to be our dynamic. And it's interesting to me because Spike came into this show with the singular purpose of killing the Slayer. And he's done a really bad job of that for three seasons. Oh, he sucks at it. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, and like, okay, more to come on Spike, but like, yeah, his motivations here were very like, ooh, I don't know. So 
Anya is screaming. She's behind the counter. She's like, I've already been injured once this month. <laughs> so Buffy says, shut up to everyone, right? And she starts to concentrate. And we've seen Buffy do this before. She learned this in season one. And out of sight, out of mind. Tara enters the shop, right? And she sees the demon behind Buffy. And she's like, Buffy, behind you! And in the back room, Spike manages to kill the one demon. And um, Buffy is fighting the other demon as Tara undoes the spell. And when the spell lifts, the demon knocks Tara over. And Tara's family comes in at this point, And Buffy breaks the demon's neck on the stairs. Tara's father is in there. And he says, what in God's name is that? And Spike comes in and he says, a layoff demon, fun little buggers, big with the marrow sucking. Buffy says she doesn't understand, right? And she's looking at Tara. And Tara's really apologetic. She says, I was just trying to hide. I didn't want you to see who I am. And Willow's kneeling next to Tara. And she's like, what do you mean what you are? And Tara's father says, demon. Because once again, right, when he came into the magic shop, I mean, I know it, you know, it's not locked. It's a public place. It's not like Giles' house. But he, he keeps showing up at the most interesting times, right? Yeah. he uh, He's like a vampire that way. He picks the most opportune <laughs> moments. Uh, he says, the women in our family have demons in them. Her mother had it. That's where the magic comes from. We came to take her home before things like this start happening. And Giles is like, okay, so Tara, you, you casted a spell on us to keep us from seeing your demon side. This is why we couldn't see our attackers. And Buffy looks at Dawn because Buffy's biggest priority these days is Dawn. And she says, nearly got us killed. And Tara says, I'll go. I'm very sorry. And Willow says, wait, go? You did. She did a spell that went wrong. It was just a mistake. Who's among us hasn't done that? Who who in this room hasn't fucked up so bad that almost everyone died? <laughs> not one. <laughs> Tara's dad says, that's not the point and that's not your concern. She belongs with us. We know how to control her problem. And Willow is saying to Tara, like, you know, I, tr I trusted you. Was it all just a lie? And Tara's like, no. And Willow says, well, do you want to leave? And Tara's dad says, it's not your decision, young lady. And ooh, the fierceness in which Willow looks at Tara's dad and says so forcefully, I know that. I was like, ooh, the power. So she goes back to Tara and she says, do you want to leave? And Tara just shakes her head and her dad's like, you're going to do what's right, Tara. I'm taking you out of here before somebody does get killed. This girl belongs with her family and I hope that's clear to the rest of you. And Buffy is saying, it is. You want her, Mr. McClay? You can go ahead and take her. You just got to go through me. <laughs> like, it's so dramatic. Yeah, the timing yeah. is so perfect. You know, she isn't, she's looking over at Tara and Willow when she says it is. And you think, oh, is, is she, is she sending Tara away? Right. It's like, she's like against Tara now. She's like, oh, you know, you can go ahead and take her. And then she turns and she looks at him and she, you know, she stands with her arms at her side. She's like, you got to go through me and you can see the power in her words. And I'm just like, yes, I'm screaming at my TV at this point. I'm like, yes, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And she says like, you know, if you're, if you're going to take her against her will, you got to go through me. And Dawn steps up and says, and me, Tara's dad is like, I'm not going to be threatened by two little girls. You just saw Buffy <laughs> curb stop a demon. <laughs> I know. I know. And Buffy says like about Dawn, she's like, she's a hair puller. <laughs> so, Giles is like, you're not just dealing with two little girls. And Xander says, you're dealing with all of us. And Spike says, except me. And <laughs> Xander says, except Spike. And Spike's like, I don't care what happens. <laughs> so good use of Spike's humor there. 
And Tara's dad is like, this is insane. You people have no right to interfere with Tara's affairs. We are her blood kin. Who the hell are you? And Buffy says, we're family. That's where I started to cry. And that's where Tara starts to cry, too. Shout out to Chosen Family, everybody. Donnie. <laughs> oh, Donnie, Donnie, Donnie. Donnie says, um, Tara, if you don't get that car, I swear by God, I'm going to beat you down. Ah, yes. Yeah, just casually threatening violence against women. Great. That's really going to go well and convince her to get in the car. Um, Xander says, I swear by your full and manly beard, you're going to break something trying. And Beth says, well, I hope you'll all be happy hanging out with a disgusting demon. <laughs> and that's when Anya chimes in, right? She's like, what kind? And Beth is like so confused. And Anya's like, well, what kind of demon is she? There's a lot of different kinds. Some are very, very evil. Some are considered to be useful members of society. And she smiles at Xander. <laughs> and Beth says, well, what does it matter? Evil is evil. And Anya's like, oh, I was just thought we'd narrow it down. And Spike's like, oh, so he's like, why don't we take make this simple? And he punches Tara in the nose. They both go, ah, because Spike's chip activates and Tara got punched in the nose. And Willow's like, hey, hey, <laughs> she's like, you know, that hurt him. And Buffy's like, well, that only works on humans. So Spike's like, there's no demon in there. Just a family legend. Am I right? Just a bit of a spin to keep the ladies in line. You're a piece of work. I like you, is what he says to Tara's dad. Kate, again, I'm so conflicted because that's such a funny line. And Spike's really, I actually really like Spike in this episode. And you want to cheer him on because he's the one that effectively ended this argument right here. It's He's very charming, right? He's very charismatic. Yes. We want to like him because he's a funny character. It, we, we And that's the thing. He's so funny and so charismatic that you we miss we might miss what he's saying here where he shows appreciation for what this sexist man, right? This abusive father is doing. It's so complicated and this is what I like about Spike's character is that he has this complication around him. This is why so many people in the fandom say like you can enjoy Spike as a character and you can laugh at his jokes and enjoy how he inserts himself in these situations and makes elevates the material. But we do have to notice the things that he's supporting and the things that he does. And this is an example of that for me. And again, his motivations, his motivations, like why is he helping Tara? He already said, I don't care. I don't care what happens. But he's the one that has now stepped up to help. And I don't think he cares about Tara. So again, I'm like, what is the motivation? Does he think doing this makes him feel more like part of the gang? Therefore, Buffy will start seeing him differently. Like, what is his... I think he's just caught up in him being clever, right? He's the one who put it all together. It wasn't Buffy. It wasn't Giles. It's it's Spike. Spike has solved the mystery, and he's going to brag about it to everybody. Yeah, and that's a good way of looking at it, too. It's just, it's just he's just really conflicting to me right now. Um... It all comes back to the idea, like this Buffy thing, this love thing that we're going to have to keep exploring. I see it so much more as obsession, obsession with Buffy's body, right? The sex dreams, the violent fighting that leads to him orgasming, creating a dummy of her in her likeness, staring at that dummy all night, right? It's So I'm just I, really conflicted. I'm, I'm sure it's not going to go any further than this stuff. It's I'm sure this is, this is the last we'll ever see of it, I know. But I just had to register how much this conflicted me in this episode. Because again, I enjoyed him, but I was like, he's being so creepy. <laughs> it's hard. So 
Willow says, you're not a demon. And and Spike's like, yeah, you're welcome. And he goes. And Giles um, tells Tara's family, you know, your business here is done, right? You have my will to leave. Her dad tries one last time, right? He says, for 18 years, your family has taken care and supported you. And I was like, 18? I thought she was turning 20. I'm confused. I'm confused. I, I, I heard 19, but maybe I misheard. I heard 18. And I was like, I thought she's turning 20. What the fuck? So anyway... Tara has had enough and she says, Dad, just go. And I love how she says that. It's so subtle and it's so quiet. But what she's really saying here is that shit's not going to work on me anymore, Dad. I found my chosen family. He goes to leave, but before he goes, he says, magic. (laughs) Yes, clearly magic is the problem here. That is what we're taking away from this episode. (laughs) I mean, it would have been funny if he actually said magic lesbians and like <laughs> left the store um donnie follows and beth says are you happy now and tara smiles so okay is this a little bit sudden to you no i found it very sudden i was like earlier xander and buffy were just like nah like we don't like we don't know her she's a weirdo like and but, all of a sudden they're like we'll die for her right okay i hear what you're saying let's look at it this way family is different from friendship Right, Buffy and and Xander are not necessarily close friends with Tara because they don't know her, but because of the little bit that they've been through with her, and especially because of her relationship with Willow, and I think Buffy and, and Xander are family with Willow, that's what makes Tara family, right? Tara is part of the weird crew of freaks that have somehow come together to protect Sunnydale. And the fact that she is a newer member of that crew, yes, that's valid. They don't know her very well. But, you know, you could say the same for, I don't know, a younger sister who shows up at the beginning of the school year and must have been living with the dad for the last four seasons. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Yeah. Right? Like, family doesn't have to be somebody that you've known your whole life. Family, the only criterion for family is that you have a connection. You have a bond with them where you are willing to put them beyond, you know, yourself. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. So we're at the end of the scene. And I I just, there's, again, there's just questions that I had around the episode that I don't think it delivers on. I love the message. I love that they've now embraced Tara as one of their own. They're going to protect her as a Scooby should be protected. They're also going to forgive her as Scoobies are often forgiven for, for performing spells on the group. But like, I didn't get enough backstory on Tara's family. They kind of show up. Mm -hmm. They don't give a lot of explanation as to like how this, you know, lie has worked. Is that even true? I mean, Spike says it, but no one actually says like, oh yeah, you're right. It just it kind of lays there. How many women has this happened to? Did it happen to Tara's mother too? Is it happening to Beth right now? Like there's just a lot of questions that I don't think, I'm not satisfied with how they left it. Yeah, we had a hot stake from Laura about this exact point, mm-hmm. right? Which is, you know, the themes are kind of falling flat on the floor, Um, And Laura says, if the McClay patriarchs wish to keep their women under control, then why would they ever agree to Tara going to university? Yes. Uh, You know, why allow their young women to experience the world before returning them to their sheltered view? And and Laura says, well, 
perhaps this is a commentary on some extremist religions, I doubt the show would go there. Um, So she says, there is no plausible explanation. I care not because the choice that Tara makes and that the Scoobies allow her to decide is what I adore so much about the episode. Uh, Tara is allowed to choose her family, and this is so important to so many, especially in the queer community. Uh, and then Laura also goes on to say that it's it's just really nice that it's not just Buffy standing up. It's like Buffy stands up and then Dawn and Anya and Xander, right? All these people who are less superpowered than Buffy are still standing up for Tara. And it's really nice. Yeah. Overall, it gives you good, warm feelings. Um, thanks, Laura, for your hot steak. Y- yeah. I just, I just, there's some, there's some lingering questions. That's all. <laughs> I I agree. This is, you know, this episode definitely has some messy, weird plot hole things going on. Mm -hmm. I'm totally with you on that. It just, it gets, it gets me in the feels. Um, The whole chosen family thing gets me. Yeah, there's, there's a lot here. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's a lot of um, confliction, confusion. Uh, Let's cut to the bronze. It's Tara's birthday party. It's bumping. Dawn was invited. She's running around like she's five years old. (laughs) Okay. Everyone's chilling. Everyone's having a good time. Again, like this theme of family, right? They all helped Buffy move in. They all worked at the magic shop together, except for Riley. (laughs) None of them except Anya or Xander has a job to go to. (laughs) Yeah, they got nothing but free time over here. Um, I know they're always saying Buffy's training all the time. She's not. (laughs) So um, Riley comes in and Buffy's like, you came. And he's like, of course I came. They kiss and nothing is discussed about their previous fight, of course. Uh, Dawn is saying how cool this place is. This is for her first time at the bronze. And she's got a stamp on her hand. And I was like, why? I thought this was an all-ages bar. These people have been partying here since they were like 14. So like, why does she have a stamp? And Xander's like, uh, that's to keep you from boozing it up. And Don's like, oh, please, only losers drink alcohol. And all the Scoobies get super awkward because they're all drinking alcohol. Kara, they're 20. They're underage. How come they're all of a sudden allowed to drink? <laughs> are they drinking alcohol or are they all just remembering the events of Beer Bad? <laughs> yeah, that really sunk in the lesson learned. Um, I mean, possible, possible they snuck the alcohol in, right? And they've all put it in their own cups but like they're not 21 therefore they should not be drinking they would also have stamps on their hand (laughs) what the fuck so tara and willow go to the dance floor it's a slow song willow says i can't believe you didn't tell me about your family and tara says i was afraid that if you saw the kind of people i came from you wouldn't want to be anywhere near me and willow calls her a dummy and she says I think about where you grew up, who you grew up with, or what you grew up with, and then I look at what you are, and it makes me proud. It makes me love you more. And Tara says, every time, even when I'm at my worst, you always make me feel special. How do you do that? And Willow says, magic. And they hold each other close, and they start floating. No kissing. Just, just hugging. And then they no fly. No kissing. Only floating. <laughs> floating. It's fine if two ladies float together. <laughs> Uh, we better be careful before uh, a white O <laughs> forms around them. Right? I yeah. mean, you know what floating leads to. <laughs> I mean, that's what I learned in school anyway. <laughs> First comes floating, then comes babies. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, that's a cute ending. Tara and Willow are super sweet. Uh, who is your hero? All of the Scoobies for standing up, even, even Don. And also Don for giving attitude. 
And also notice Riley wasn't there for that part. <laughs> yeah, I, I chose Giles only because I think Giles was solid throughout the entire episode. He already got Tara her gift. <laughs> he helped move, kind of. He was there for Buffy. And at the end, he stood up too. So it took the Scoobies a little bit longer to um, get around to Tara's more than just nice. Right. So that's that's what I chose. I also shout out to Spike. All right. I want to give a shout out to Spike because... That God, that character is so complicated for me. It just messes with my mind. We're going to have fun with Spike this season. Yeah, but he, did, he didn't need to step up, and he did. And again, the motivations are so curious. What the fuck is he, like, why? But I kind of believe what you said. He's like, hey, I figured it out. I'm going to tell everybody about it. But it still helped. So that's a shout out. So I want to quickly discuss two things, right? The first being, uh, you know, this idea of chosen family and as it relates to the queerness. And then the second being the patriarchy. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> so I think we, we've touched on it a little bit here and there. I just I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mark and acknowledge what the show is going for here. Right. With this idea of chosen family, you know, Tara, of course, being gay, uh, a lot of queer people are estranged from their family they either have to leave their family and their home lives because it's not safe for them uh or um even if they haven't left their family it's awkward because their family isn't as accepting or open about things as they should be right so once again we see this show at a time where being openly gay was still uh unusual it's less it was less prevalent than it is today and we see the show kind of tackling these issues and i think it does do it in i don't know if i'd say a sensitive way but i think it's really good that they're bringing this up right and you know as a queer person myself again i've never had to deal with this level of not being accepted by my friends or family so i'm very lucky but i can imagine how other queer viewers would feel watching this. Um, and I can also say, like, for me personally, chosen family is very important um, because of my family situation, even though my, uh, I guess you'd call, I, family of origin is usually what I say. My family of origin is very accepting of my identity, but for other reasons, my family situation is, you know, complicated. And I'm lucky enough that I've built a chosen family of people I'm extremely close to. And I think that's one of the reasons why I tear up at this show, right? Is because when you find your people, when you find the people who will stand there and say, we are family and you have to come through me to get at you, right? This person, it, it's, it's incredibly special. And this to me is one of the reasons why Buffy the series is so enduring as a show and i keep coming back to it no matter how many times i've watched it is for moments like this that reflect and capture the important things in life mm. thank you for uh explaining how this episode affects you i think that's really really powerful and thank you for sharing all right so on to the patriarchy yes <laughs> um, let's let's talk about the patriarchy <laughs> so we talked a lot about the abuse, right? And, and you know, we, we can talk more about that if we need to. But I, I think what I really want to point out here is this is an episode on several levels about men not getting what they want from women, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So we have Tara and her dad, and her dad wants Tara to come back 
and live under his dominion. Uh, it sounds from what Beth was saying that she's going to just, you know, cook and clean and just be the, the happy little homemaker. Um, and then on top of that, we have Riley wanting stuff from Buffy that she can't give him. Right. And he's getting pissy about it. And then we have Spike wanting stuff from Buffy, wanting Buffy in his life in a way that she's not going to be. Uh, and even to some extent, he's projecting that onto Harmony, right? And a lot of his frustration with Harmony is not just from her immaturity uh, and her attitude. It's from, you're not Buffy. So there's all these men in this episode who want these things from women and who are, frankly, very entitled in what they think women are going to give them, right? We see Spike expecting Buffy to thank him when he helps her in the fight against the Laoc demons. And of course, no, she can't see him. But let's be real. If she saw Spike fighting alongside her at that moment, do you think she would have thanked him? <laughs> well, let's also be even more real. Um, he went there to watch her die. Right. <laughs> and he changed his mind. So yeah. So I just I think it's interesting how this this show is more than just, oh hey, look at how awful, you know, some families are. This show, when it's talking about patriarchy, it's not just Tara's dad. It's all these men. Ooh, you know, it's a it's a strange time in our lives in this in the show when Xander is one of the least toxic men in the episode. <laughs> True. We had nothing but compliments for him here. <laughs> so yikes! The sweaters are working. <laughs> They're working. It's like cleaner haircut. Something's happening to us. Um, ugh, like I, I'm, I'm enjoying the season because we're really getting these examples of how these men are upholding patriarchy and like that example of Beth today too, right? Just how it can affect women as well and how they can also be really uh, harmful toward women in this way. I mean, watching this episode now. Um, reminds me of a book that I, I read a year or two ago um, called Educated by Tara Westover. Mm, I read that too. And yeah. so, yeah, it's a mm -hmm. memoir about a woman who um, she grew up in a very, very conservative Mormon family. It also seems like her father had some mental health issues as well. And so, you know, she didn't go to a proper school her family was very isolated even from other members of their community and their church and they had very rigid and uh, restrictive and patriarchal views with regards to gender roles and she manages to get out of that life and go to university and um, it really opens up her world but there's also a lot that she has to process and deal with and I think that's similar to what Tara is going through in this episode right we, like you said, we don't know her backstory. It's unclear to me if she really got permission from her family to go to university or if she just kind of left. And that's why I was kind of like, ooh, like, should her dad know where she is? Right? Why is Sunnydale University giving out, you know, yeah, we'll just give out room numbers to anybody who shows up looking for this person. It's like, Tara's an adult now. She deserves privacy. Well, that's why I'm left unsatisfied because I really think that's a fascinating aspect to explore with Tara and her background. And this was supposed to be her episode to be 
inaugurated into the Scooby gang. I guess inauguration means when you put them at harm by putting a spell on them or something. <laughs> but the True. point is, is this was supposed to be her episode for that. Um, we still don't know anything about her other than the fact that she's now escaped her family. But what was it about her family and growing up there? How did she find the agency to get this independence to leave? And now she's got it to stay. Like, think about, like, Restless. We got more about Willow, Buffy, Giles, and especially Xander and their background in short little segments than we did in this whole episode about Tara. So I think they missed out on that. Maybe we'll have another dream episode soon. (laughs) Tara's dream. (laughs) Not Joyce's dream, though. I guess we would never get that lucky. Um, Yeah. Great points. I hope people... um, heard this and then they can write in and tell us what they think about it i know we do have a couple hot stakes we already read one out um but people were excited to talk about this episode it's some of their favorites um we got one from angela who wrote in to say when the gang met oz he was accepted and that was it willow also didn't do a, didn't do a party for him like she is for tara however oz was just accepted into the fold and no questions were asked the gang was clearly still struggling to understand why Tara. So by the end of the episode, they fully accepted Tara as one of them. Seeing her mess up a spell was a way of them to see her flaws and accept her. In doing so, they finally accept Willow's sexuality. I personally have always liked Dawn's and Tara's relationship since Dawn was introduced. Yeah, like we said, right? Oh, you know, whom's among us has not fucked up a spell <laughs> and harmed everybody else. Yeah. You're one of us now, Tara. Yeah, do you do you agree that they finally accepted Willow's sexuality in this episode? I don't think it's that black and white, right? Yeah. I, I this is my thing when it comes to queerness, you know, um if somebody doesn't share that particular identity, uh you you can't just be like, "Oh, I accept you." Right? It's like acceptance is an ongoing action that people demonstrate. And so in many ways, the Scoobies have been very accepting so far. In many ways, they still have work to do. And I think that's true for a lot of people. Hmm. And our other hot stake is from Rachel, who wanted to talk to us about Dracula. Rachel says, a lot of people talk about Dracula as this sexy, seductive vampire. But honestly, I think that mostly comes from the film adaptations. Starting back with Bela Lugosi in 1931, who was sort of suave and sophisticated and lures a woman to be bitten. But in the book... He's really creepy, more monstrous than he often gets portrayed as, with a long white mustache and pointed ears. At one point, he crawls down a wall like a lizard. It's a weird book. Although there definitely is a sexual metaphor in the way he turns uh, Lucy, Mina's friend, into a vampire, I think the sexuality comes less from Dracula himself being seductive and more from the general metaphor of the beautiful, pure, young woman being corrupted. Think STIs. We never really get to see much of her seduction. It's all described pretty vaguely, so there's no explicit scene of Dracula being like, hey, I'm sexy, want to be a vampire? (laughs) Which is what would uh, get me. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Um, So thanks for sharing your perspective on 
kind of these different portrayals of Dracula. And then, of course, we talked a lot about in Buffy versus Dracula, how our Dracula fits into that. We I love all the hot stakes we've gotten about Buffy versus Dracula. It's like <laughs> so many people have such, something to say about that. Good it's great. Episode. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everyone, for your hot stakes. Um, thanks, Kara, for your hot stakes. <laughs> I just there's so much complication around certain characters in the show. My brain is sizzling. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm sure next episode will resolve all of that for us. That's exactly what I want. Peace. Peace of mind. (laughs) I want to be one way about something. I don't want to (laughs) flip-flop. Thank you to our Buy Me a Coffee supporters, especially our chosen ones. Lizzie, Hannah, Holly, Kayla, Brady, Jordan, Lena, Julian, Nicola, and Luis. Emma, Taza, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, and Tasha. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week